And so we are, we are looking at those truths this morning in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. If you'll take your Bible and turn there with us. And while you're doing that, let me say a word to the folks at home. Uh, we certainly, of course, we got a lot of our, a lot of the congregation that, that are in regular attendance. They're home this morning and uh, certainly for good cause. But I also want to say a word to all of the folks that are a part of our online congregation. In other words, you watch and, and, and listen and you're a part of the congregation, but, but at a distance, some of you because of distance. But then there are many that are within driving distance. If you could come in sometime and, and visit with us, we'd love to meet you in person. But also I want to give you my, my email address. So if you'd like to communicate with me and just let me know that you're out there, I'd love that. My email address is pastor at anchorbaptist.org. Pastor at anchorbaptist.org. Easy to remember, pastor at anchorbaptist.org. And I'd love to know that you're out there and it would be a great blessing to communicate with you wherever you are in the world. Let us know that you are listening and that you're watching. And again, if we can ever be a help in any way, uh, please let us know. And then there are those uh, for various reasons. Uh, many are infirmed and cannot go to, the, go to a church and things of that nature. There are folks that consider this their church. Uh, we even have an online giving portal that you can participate in some of the things that we talk about. And uh, we'll be glad to give you more information about that should you desire it. The book of 2 Thessalonians, I'm interested in the, in the, church, the, the letter of the Apostle Paul, the second letter that he wrote, to the church at Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a Greek city. It was on the shore of Europe, on the western shore of Europe. And it was part of that Macedonian call that God called uh, Apostle Paul to leave Asia, Asia Minor, and to cross the, the water and to go into, uh, of course, uh, uh, he, he went into Philippi, Thessalonica, down to Corinth. He also went to Berea. But in that chain of events, he established the church at Thessalonica. Stand with me just for a moment, and I want you to look at just one verse. We're going to come back and lay some groundwork for the verse. First, we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And I want to pick up verse number 9 for context. So 2 Thessalonians 2, 9. The Bible says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all wonder and signs and lying wonders, verse number 10, with all power and signs and lying wonders, verse number 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Deceivableness of unrighteousness. And so I would like to share with you this morning some thoughts concerning the, the deception of the last days. The deception of the last days. Can I share this with you? The number one danger for, for people, for human beings on the planet is being deceived. It's the number one danger, okay? Somebody said no famine is the number one or war is number one or disease is number one. No, deception's number one. And we, there, there, we have machines now that spin out deception all the time. And so I said earlier, 
you can't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. Because now with video editing, they can make you say almost anything by, by computer graphics. They can make you say things you didn't say and uh, can, can make your lips move and can make your voice. They can take a speech that you gave and they can chop it up with a computer and they can cause you to say things you didn't say. And it looks almost natural. And you say, how do you know that? They are taking singers that have been dead for 50 years and they are, they are through the computer, they're singing modern songs that weren't even written. And you, I mean, you can see it right now. It's, you can tell it's a little bit choppy, the lip, the, don't match exactly. But we're used to that. We're used to the six o'clock news that the lips don't match what they're saying. That's part of the digital age, that, that little delay that's in there. And so it's acceptable and a lot of people believe that you know, one of the big things today is, is to sing a song, a duet with somebody who's been dead for years. And a modern singer come in and take an old song and an old singer and do a duet with them. And the crazy part of it is they make them sound right and they make them sound good. And so the danger of deception in the last days. Let's pray. Father, help us now to be found faithful. Lord, may your word find its lodging place in our heart. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Thank you very much and please be seated. Now, we were in this passage in the book of May three years ago, uh, in, in, in 2020. But I'm going to have a different focus, but I want to walk you through uh, what's taking place. Uh, the Bible starts out in, in second, the book, second book, chapter of Thessalonica, or the Thessalonians, chapter number, or the second book, the second chapter. This is what it says. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together to him. Uh, and he's going to tell us some things that we be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled either by, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Apparently, somebody had written the Thessalonican church and told them that the Lord had already come and they had missed it. So I got news for you. If you get that letter, if you get somebody tells you that, it's not true. Okay? And Paul rebukes that. He said this, let no man deceive you. I want to put some emphasis on that word. Let no man deceive you. What was the danger being deceived? He said, let no man deceive you. It was going on 2,000 years ago, and they didn't have a lot of things to deceive you with. All they had was paper and pen, and yet the church at Thessalonica had been deceived. And so he warns against deception. Let no man deceive you. And then he says this, by any means. The Holy Spirit wrote this. Now in that day, it would have been a, a, an inkwell and a quill and a parchment paper. But he said, by any means. Think about all the means that we have to be deceived today. Think about all the things they have, all the tools of deception that they have today. For that day shall not come except there come first a falling away. Somebody said, well, now preacher, wait a minute. Uh, you're talking about the last days and, and you just got through saying don't be, don't be shaken. Well, I want you to understand that we are in the last days because of the great falling away. In 1972, 92% of America claimed to be Christians. The most recent poll, this includes Catholics. It includes all of the fringe groups that would consider themselves Christians, including 
Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, and the whole group that claimed to know Christ, that claimed Christ as the center of their religion, were down to 62% of America. And that takes in everybody. We've lost almost 30% in, since 1972. And again, that's a very generous number because you're taking in all of the people who, who have Christ at the center of their, of their, of their worship, okay? He said, except there first come a falling away, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, let me just quickly say this. Uh, I believe the Antichrist is here. I believe he's on earth. I don't know exactly when he got here, but I believe he's here. I can almost, I, I won't tell you, but I, 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 I feel like I, I know even at, there was a time, there's always been oppression. But I want you to know there's been something worse than oppression hanging over this country and hanging over the world for several decades now. And I, I wonder if it, if it lines up with him, with, him, with him being born. I wonder if it lines up with him being here. The Bible says, who opposeth, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, I want you to understand what's taking place. The Apostle Paul is going to the end of the story and he's telling them how it ends up. Okay, so y'all, you need to understand that this is not chronological. What he's talking about, he's telling them the, how, he's telling them the end of the book and then he's going to fill in the details. And this is what he's taking place. So he says, remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And so he, he gives an end time revelation in the first five verses. And then he tells us about end time restraint. This is where we spent our time about three years ago. The Bible says, and, know ye, and now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. What withholdeth? The scripture says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. He said, if I can make you understand. If the man of sin is here, the mystery of iniquity is at work. Wide open. Somebody said, well, how come he's not revealed himself? He can't. The scripture says, look in, look in verse number, it says, revealed in his time, verse number six. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Can, you, can I say it this way? He's not going to be revealed until God says it's time. And the scripture goes on to tell us, look in verse number seven. Only he who now letteth will let. This is one of those times that the language has moved. The language has changed. There were, our language does change. If, when I was a teenager, if I'd have pulled up in my car and another teenager had walked out and said, man, that thing is sick, there would have been a fist fight. You call my car sick, I'll whoop you. That'd get you a fight. Today, if the generation that's alive today walked out and, and you had a nice car and he goes, oh man, that thing is sick, they go, thank you very much. Sick today means 
over the top. It actually means good. In my day, back in the Stone Age, it meant really bad. Okay? And so words have a way of flipping to the opposites. The word letteth, now let, it doesn't mean to give permission, as you would think, that the way we use it. It actually means to hinder. He that hindereth, uh, he that, the, the hinderer, uh, he, he that holds back, I will let until he hinders. In other words, the Spirit of God is on the earth, and the Spirit of God is restraining this man of sin and this mystery of iniquity. Otherwise, we'd already be slap dab in the middle of the great tribulation. You understand? But I do believe we're in the precursor. And he says this until he be taken out of the way. Well, now let me see if I can tie some things together. The Holy Spirit was given us, and he said, I will not leave you comfortless. There was only 10 days upon earth that when the Lord Jesus left and, was, and ascended into heaven, there were only 10 days that we were without one of the, one of the Godhead and on the day of Pentecost, the third person of the Godhead came and indwelt believers, and he's been here ever since. And he is the hindering and restraining force on planet Earth. And the reason Chernobyl did not melt down and go plumb to the core of the Earth and blow this thing into, into little bitty meteorites all over the universe is because God hindered it. And the reason that other things have, has, and the reason COVID didn't wipe out the population of the planet was because God hindered it. And the reason that we didn't blow it up with atomic bombs was because God hindered it. And can I tell you that God is doing a hindering work and God is doing a brooding work over this thing. But there's coming a day that he's going to allow it. He's going to step back and he's going to allow it to take hold. And it's going to allow unrestrained power. Now listen to me. Christ said he would never leave us comfortless. So if the Holy Spirit leaves, where are we going to be? I believe we're going to. I believe we're leaving with him. And I believe this is a picture of the rapture of the church right here. You think about it. God's people praying is the only thing keeping this world it, it, together today. What if all the praying people are gone? What if all the little children that pray at night, what if all of their little prayers are gone? Then this, this old world don't have a prayer. You understand what I'm saying? They don't have a prayer. They don't have a prayer warrior. And the Holy Spirit's gone, the church is gone, and the stage is set for the man of sin to step out and to step in. So we've talked about the end time revelation. We've talked about the end time restraint. But I want to spend some time concerning the end time ruin. I've said this many times. It rarely, lightning rarely strikes out of a clear sky. I know it's possible, but it's rare. It usually gets pretty cloudy before lightning strikes. I want you to understand, I believe we're clouding up. Christ said, as lightning cometh out of the east, so shall the Son of Man come. 
I believe that we can look at the, look, predict the weather. I believe we can look and see on the prophetic weather that we are getting close to these times and close to these days. But again, I'm regressing. He says, and then in verse number 8, shall that wicked be revealed. I'm talking about end time ruin. The Bible tells us something about uh, the final destruction. Then shall the wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Boy, I'm so glad he told us all of that before he told us the rest of it. He said, this is going to be the end of him. This is how it's going to happen. The Lord's going to get him. He, he ain't going to get by with it. He's toast. But then he tells us what he's going to do in the meantime. So again, we're not studying this chronologically. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is presenting to us the back end of the story, and now we're going to fill in the center of the story. And so uh, there's the final destruction in verse number 8. But here's the part I'm interested in. At the flagrant deceit in verse number 9 and verse number 10, the Scripture says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. Now, I'll just say it this way. I have had enough of a brush with the satanic things to where I don't want to be in the same state, I don't want to be in the same country with it. I've seen some things that I can't explain. I've seen some things that I won't even talk about. And I don't ever want to talk about it. And I don't ever want to in any way embellish it. Because it, it, it terrified, it terrified me. But can you imagine? And that was when it was being hindered. Can you imagine when the hindrance is taken away? What that's going to be like? I'm talking about the working of Satan. I mean, his works actually are satanic. But now, wait a minute. Immediately we think Satan, okay, a, a guy in a red suit and a pitchfork with a pointed tail. Friend, you don't have a clue. The Bible says that he appears as an angel of light. Beautiful. I'll bet you, listen to me. I'll bet you that the Antichrist will have the intellect of Einstein have more, more, more intellect than any man that's ever been known in the human race. I believe you'll have the, the personality of Elvis Presley or some of, the, some of the most famous persons you could ever imagine. And he's going to have the charisma of, 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 of beyond and above the anybody and going to be good looking and going to have all the, listen, all of that's coming. It's not going to be anything like people think. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. Do you understand that at the advent of television, you know the reason that JFK was elected president of the United States? Because they used television debate. And when you saw him, a good-looking young man, compared to what Richard Nixon looked like, and they went out and they, I guess they had put makeup on JFK, and so somebody went out right quick and got a, one of these shaving bombs and patted down Richard Nixon. And he looked like a ghost. 
He was the vice president under Eisenhower. He, I mean, he was ready to step right into the seat, but based upon his appearance and based upon charisma, John F. Kennedy won the presidency of the United States. And can I tell you that looks have played a big part of being elected ever since. If you ever look at Congress, if you ever watch them, if you ever look at the Congress and the Senate, uh, the, the Congress, if you ever watch them, looks plays a very big part in being elected to public office. Even him who's coming after the working of Satan. And look what the Bible says, with all power. With all power. Can I do something that I rarely do? I rarely use Greek words in the pulpit. But I think in this case, I think it'll help us to understand that there are multiple, in English, we translate one English word, but they're different Greek words. And I think it's important that we talk about it. You see, the word here, with all power, is the word that we get the word dynamite from. It's the word that we get the, the, the phrase dynamo. A dynamo's a generator. It's what they used to call them, dynamos. So anything, if something's dynamic, that means it's powerful. Uh, brother, what's his name, wrote a book, God's Dynamite, uh, brother, brother Don Farmer. And we went up on the top of the rock where he took a picture of Ampho being blowed up. And we were up, I I'm the one who took the photo and the rock's blowing up and took a spill picture of it. It was God's Dynamite. And he wrote the book about the dunamis, the power of God. That is the phrase, not the power of God, but the, power, the word here is dunamis. And dunamis means unfettered power. Dunamis means unrestricted power. And you say the devil's got unrestricted power? Let me put it this way. He will have. He has had and he will have. How, well, I, I, don't, I don't follow, preacher. Well, see, stay with me. Okay? Because we're talking about different words. The word dunamis, power to do anything, unrestricted, unhindered power. Before the resurrection of Christ, Satan's power in this world, that's the word that was used. It was dunamis. But during this present age, that word is not used at all. Ever since the resurrection of Christ, that word has never been used concerning the devil. But something takes place here in the book of 2 Thessalonians that suddenly that word comes back. How can that be? God is going to give the devil unhindered power? That's right. You see, if you, if I drop back in the book of Luke, chapter number 10 and verse number 19, Christ said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. That word power of the enemy, that was dunamis. Because during the life of Christ on earth, the devil had the dunamis. He had, he had all power. But that changed. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, But you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, who in times past walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. The word power there is no longer dunamis. The word power in that passage is exousia. Exousia means authority that's granted. 
Exousia means authority that is given. It's kind of like execute, to execute judgment. Ah, you have the authority. A judge has the authority to execute judgment. He was given that authority by some higher power. Suddenly, after the resurrection of Christ, he no longer has unfettered, unrestrained power, but he has limited authority and limited power and restrained power. And the word used about him is exousia, over and over and over again. But suddenly, right? I mean, suddenly, Paul told, Paul told Agrippa, he said this, he said, open their eyes to turn them from the power of Satan unto God. You know the term he used? Exousia. A controlled, limited power under the subjection and authority of another. The restraining power of the Holy Ghost. But what terif- what's terrifying is that in this passage, it doesn't say that he has going to have Exosia, he's been doing that for 2,000 years. But suddenly he's going to have dunamis. When Christ walked upon the earth, the demons in, in, uh, in, 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 in the Gadarenean demoniac, he was exercising, he had fierceness, he could pluck chains off of him and do miraculous things under the power of the devil. That was the dunamis of the devil. It was the unfettered power. They couldn't even keep chains on the man. And many things that were like that during the life of Christ because it was unfettered power. But once the resurrection took place and once the Holy Spirit came, hey, he is on house arrest and God's got him on a short chain. And yes, he still has power to aggravate the life out of us, but he's limited. He has exousia. He can exercise the limits that God has given him. He's got boundaries that he cannot cross. But can I say it this way? You just wait till those boundaries are gone. He's been on a short lease all this time. Can you imagine what's in store for the human race when the devil is loosed upon humankind? It's going to happen. I want you to notice, look in verse number 9. This is where the message lies. With all power, that's the satanic cause. And then I want you to see the satanic course. The Bible says, and signs. Signs. Scripture says that the Jews seek after a sign. Well, I want you to understand, we've raised up a generation that they're sign crazy. We have a bunch of shallow Christians that they're all about the sign. There's a whole movement today that seeks after the sign gifts. It's all about the sign. It's all about the sign. It's all about, I want to see something. I want to see something. I want to see something. Well, they're going to see something all right. That supernatural course of these miracles. But then I want you to see And lying wonders, the Bible says. I'm I'm emphasizing on lying. Lying. Can I say it this way? I've seen some things that were real, but they were not right. Just because it's real don't mean that it's right. You say, well, it's real. I saw it. It's real. Doesn't mean it's right. John and Daniel said he's been in Haiti and saw 
Witch doctors walk on hot coals and never get their feet burnt. I said, what did you do? He said, I walked faster. He said, they eat glass and they will break glass and walk through the glass and never get cut. I said, how do you explain that? He said, I can't. He said, preacher, it's real. It's just not right. It is lying wonders. It's a lie. It's a lie. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Lying wonders. And the problem is we are a gullible people. We have lulled ourselves into it. We're a gullible people. We believe everything we're told. And we have been so conditioned. I mean, we have been raised on aliens from outer space. What do you think? When, what, how are they going to explain the rapture? They're going to say the aliens got them. That's what they're going to say. And that will unify the world. The Antichrist will explain it, and he'll take power because he can explain what happened. It's a lie. Christ came and got his church, but he'll blame it on something from outer space. And that's why they'll all get their weapons up to fight against him when he comes back after seven years. The Bible says, and signs and lying wonders. Can I spend a little time right there? Wonders. So there is the supernatural course. There's the sinful character of these things. And, of course, the witness of the devil's sensational. But then the witness of the devil also, his way is always seduction. It's always seducing spirits. The Bible says, and lying wonders. There are some things on planet earth that I cannot explain. I've not seen them all, but I have traveled to several of the wonders of the world. And I can't explain it. But I find that books have been written about it and they can't explain it. The Pyramid of Giza, we can't build it today. With modern technology, we can't build that structure. With everything we have, we can't build that structure. Yet I've been in it. It exists. It's real. But people can't explain it. And there's 10,000 theories as to who built it and where it came from and all the rest. I can take you to the Acropolis in, in Athens, Greece. Set a Coke can, there's a set of steps down the side of the, the, on the on the temple of Athena. You can set a Coke can at this end on the step. You can go to the other end and get down and look and you can't see that Coke can because it was not built level. And you say, well, you know, they, were, they weren't that good to build it level. Now, let me tell you what's scary. They build it to the model of the curvature of the earth. It is a replica of the exact curvature of planet earth. There's the exact curve of, of the planet in miniature in that temple, and it's still standing. Paul preached, and that thing was on the hill, and it was old then. It had been there a thousand years, I think, when Paul preached. It's still there. How do you explain that, preacher? I can't. I cannot explain how they got that up there. I cannot explain how they built that thing. I cannot explain it. They had no cranes, no helicopters, none of that stuff, and yet it was there. I keep going. Anybody ever heard of the Coral Castle? 
Somewhere between Tampa and Fort Myers in that section, there's an island. And I'll give you the short version. Look it up. An old hermit went to that island. He went out into the sea, under the sea, and he cut out, he, he, he mined blocks of coral that weighed four tons by himself. And he picked them up and he brought them in and he built a castle out of them. There is a door that is set on ball bearings out of one slab of coral and you can touch it and it's perfectly balanced. And the old man never had any help and it took him his whole life to build this thing and it is one of the wonders of America. And he never would tell how he did it. Nobody knows how he did it. To this day they don't know what happened. But this was done back in time. But supposedly, and now this is from local folklore from that area, that about his only friend in the world was his barber. And he kept telling his barber about his house. And his bar, his, his, the barber said, how could you possibly do that by yourself? And he told his barber, I've discovered levitation imagine if the antichrist can be talking and suddenly levitate and float up above the podium what will people do what if what if the devil has the answers to the questions that plague humankind. What if the devil has a, cancer, a cure to cancer? Well, he'll be worshipped. What if he has a cure? What if, what if he has a cure to the old crisis? What if he has a, a, a form, there'll be no more energy problem. I mean, he's got the answer. What if, what if he, could, he could tell us what the secret of, of levitation was that no longer we're bound by gravity where you could just move things around and you could move a piano by yourself. You just you levitate it and move it where it's supposed to be. What if he could do something like that? Somebody said, preacher, that's crazy. That's, that, that's not, uh, not going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. The public left on planet Earth is going to swallow it. Hook, line, and sinker. So whatever he says and whatever he does, it's going to be a wonder of all wonders. Daniel said, and he destroyed wonderfully. He used the phrase destroyed and wonderfully together. They're contradictory, but that's what he said. And he destroyed wonderfully. Do you understand that the kings of the north are going to jump on Israel? And that man of sin is going to put the whooping on them that you read about in your Bible. He's going to destroy them to the point that Israel's going to go, the Messiah has arrived. You tell me what they're going to have to do for Israel to worship a man. You tell me what that's going to take. You understand where I'm going with this? The Bible says, and with all deceivableness of righteousness. This is the sphere of his ways. The sum of his wonders, lying wonders, 
and then the sphere of his ways with all deceivableness of righteousness. And then he tells us this in the latter part. So let me give you my outline. There's the final destruction of the, of the Antichrist in verse number 8. We spent most of our time in verse number 9 and the first part of verse number 10, the flagrant deceit of the Antichrist. But then finally, I want you to see the foolish disciples of the Antichrist. The Bible tells us that with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. There's the word again. If you notice that word keeps popping up, delusion and deceit, they keep coming back again and again. Look in verse number 12. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, which is the opposite of deception, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The greatest danger for a lost man is being deceived and being damned as a result of it. And for those who don't know the word damn, it means to spend eternity in hell. And today the word is used in everything. But if people understood what it meant, you wouldn't damn anybody to go to hell. You wouldn't damn anything to go to hell if you knew how serious it was. I believe the reason that the devil incorporated those words damn and hell into our vocabulary was to take the sting away from it. Because we hear it so much on the job and we hear it so much in, in regular language. When the preacher gets up and talks about being damned to hell, everybody sleeps through it. it used to be that struck fear in people's hearts. Don't know more, we're, we're numb to it. And I think that's the reason. But don't you understand? The greatest danger is that people are deceived into thinking that they're okay, that they're all right, that their works will get them in. The news I have for you is simply this. Christ said, Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But then he said the most intolerable statement in all your Bible. He said, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's simple as this. You'll, if you go to heaven, you'll go through Christ or you won't go. Bottom line. Not through the church, not through communion, not through catechism, not through confirmation. You will go through Christ or you won't go. Bottom line. But this old world is convinced that if they're good enough, it's going to be all right. And the man of sin is going to say, oh, it's okay. You're all good enough. Everybody's going to heaven. Just follow me. Just bow to me. Just worship me. I'm the man. And they're going to do it. They're going to believe it to the point that he will actually go in that new temple that will be built. We read about it earlier. And he will sit down on the mercy seat and defile the temple that he's Christ. And that's when the Jews are going to pitch a fit. That's when they'll wake up and turn. But oh, what a sad day that's going to be. Can I tell you the tribulation period is just right around the corner. I believe the man of sins here. I have no way of knowing that, but I believe he is. I believe he's alive and well. But he, somebody said, well, I know who he is. I know you don't. The Bible says nobody knows who he is. 
You don't know who he is. I don't know. You can speculate, but hey, he ain't been revealed yet because if he was, they'd already be worshiping him. There've been two or three run-ups to it. There've been two people trying to, but oh no, he's not here. I'm a student of history. I study Adolf Hitler some. Adolf Hitler was a precursor of the Antichrist. He was a short little guy with a funny little mustache, but his words empowered a nation. And they thought he was the German Messiah. And he told the church leaders, he gathered all the church leaders together and met with all the pastors. And this is what he told them. He said, your job is to prepare people to go to heaven. He said, my job is to prepare this earth as a better place. And this is what he told him. He said, you stay out of my way and I'll stay out of yours. Did you know that the German church met every Sunday? Did you know that the, that the church, did you know that the soldiers that run Auschwitz and the other concentration camps would get out of on Sunday to go to church? And there were people in the pulpits preaching and they'd leave and go right back to the extermination camps to exterminate the Jews. Thousands a week. Never slowed down. Did you know that the German soldiers could be heard singing Silent Night in German on Christmas Eve during the Battle of the Bulge? Our troops were over here singing it in English and they were over there singing it in German. For which it was, I think, initially written in German. You understand what I'm saying? The church never slept. Just, and they were lulled to sleep. And everybody said, don't ask, don't tell. And they just went right on about their business. Don't tell me it can't happen. It already has happened on a smaller scale. But it was just the precursor. It was a dress rehearsal. Wait till the man of sin steps out. He will be Genghis Khan. He will be Mussolini. He will be Hitler. He'll be all of the great men of all time. He'll be all of them rolled into one. And I think he's going to be the best looking, the best talking, the greatest personality of any human being that's ever stepped out. And this world is ready for him. And they're going to believe every word he says, although every word out of his mouth is a lie. But he will confirm what he's saying through these lying wonders. And the world's going to go, wow. But here's what I want to tell the church. You are being conditioned right now to believe a lie. You were told earlier this week that, a, that was a weather balloon from China. It was harmless. It was a weather balloon. Nothing to it. It was a weather balloon. We now found out that the thing hanging on the bottom of it was as big as three school buses. Interesting weather balloon, huh? It's in 47 feet of water off the coast of Myrtle Beach, and they're diving for it. Interesting weather balloon, huh? But that's what we're told. And we're fed stuff in the news it's not true. Mainline media tells us stuff every day that's not so. It's not true. Did you know that the, that the Communist Chinese Party, the Chinese Communist Party, did you know they were behind the rumors that Donald Trump was not stepping down and Donald Trump was going to declare martial law and that Donald Trump was going to, going to indict all the people that were lying? Did you know who, you know who got that started? The Chinese Communist Party. They tweeted stuff on behalf of the liberals and they tweeted stuff on behalf of the conservatives. That they are pro-life and pro-choice and they do it to try to divide the nation and try to take down the morale of the people. And when Donald Trump did resign and when Donald Trump did leave, and 
There was a whole group of people in this country who were dismayed. And they, they were hanging on. Oh, no, he's coming back. He's coming back. Preacher, he's coming back. He didn't come back. It was a lie. But it was a lie told that we wanted to believe. And for that reason, we swallowed it hook, line, and sinker. And that's just one example. I want you to understand they're playing to what we want to hear. And it don't matter if you're conservative or liberal. It doesn't matter. They're playing to what we want to hear. And then it's not going to happen. And it destroys our motivation. It destroys our patriotism. And it destroys our, 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 our want to move forward. It demoralizes us. And that's exactly part of the plan. What do I do, preacher? You read your Bible. And if the morning paper don't line up with this Bible, junk the paper. Don't junk your Bible. You stay under sound preaching. And by the way, there's some preachers that's got out here on, this, on the fringes. And they're preaching something besides the Word of God. They're preaching all kinds of stuff. And as much as not qualified to preach it, to preaching it. But listen to what I'm going to say. You keep your nose in this book. You keep, your thing, you keep your focus upon the Word of God, upon the things of God, and you guard your mind from all the junk that's coming over the networks. And you be careful not to believe every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes down the road. The Scripture says in verse number 10 of chapter number 2, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, the damnable danger of of being deceived in the dark days in which we live. Let's bow our heads together, please.